We welcome Brown Bags back to the stage of the Phoenix Theater for their second appearance on stage with Jim and Tom. If there were one band to do this with, Brown Bags would be that band. They're known by many as the best band in Santa Rosa and known by us as good friends with a lot of history. Please welcome to the program, Brown Bags. Uh, thank you. Brown Bags. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I mean, you're also uh, known by us as the best band in Santa Rosa, but all, but, 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 but friendship shucks. takes precedence over, a, yeah, over that. That's you know? a really warm introduction. That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think untrue. it laid it on too thick. They really are quite good. I think that we are friends. I don't think that that was untrue. <laughs> we are definitely friends. If you that don't agree with that, that's, that's that, okay. That true. <laughs> Whatever. You're my, fr- you're my friend. I appreciate you. Okay. When you guys were last on the program, it was the second episode of this show. Um, James did an impression oh, of Monty yeah. Python at the end. Oh, yeah. Coming back tonight. Oh, shit. Um, no, we agreed. That was the last time. That maybe, was the last I'll, time. Maybe I'll play it. Maybe, I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll like edit in like a clip right now. And then, once three, having been the third number be reached, lobbyist thy holy hand grenade towards thy foe, whom being naughty in my sight... Shall snuff it. Amen. Amen. We didn't really talk about the band. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure there was a lot to talk about. There really wasn't. Don't worry. We've written one more song since then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's very good. Um, Some bands have written none. You have a new album coming out at some point. Is that correct? Yes. Do you have a title for that album? Yes. It's it's called 20-something Mutant Nobodies. I think that is going to establish a really good tone for our conversation here tonight. <laughs> but before we do that, James Ryall, you once said to me that Brown Bags is a band that refuses to stop being a band, even though maybe it should. <laughs> when did I tell you I that? I don't know. You were probably kind of drunk. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, oh, it's accurate. It's very <laughs> accurate. It's, it, that's a really honest description mm-hmm. of this band, for sure. I appreciate that three people uh, affirmed, and then Skylar kind of, oh, no, that's a fourth now. Mm. So once again, the new album is called what? Uh, 20-something Mutant Nobodies. All right. Is that you guys, or is that other people? Uh, that's that's us. That's that's, us. that's any that's any 20-something-year-old going through their quarter-life crisis. I mean, that's pretty much... This album is a 20-something's quarter-life crisis. It's, it's, it's very a, autobiographical. And I just want to say, um, you know, as far as James throwing himself a lot into the lyrics, and he's always going to be his own worst critic, um, I think that we are all we meaning the members of Brown Bags are all in a very similar place in our lives right now. And, um, the lyrics though, I didn't write them really speak to me. And I feel like I am super comfortable and proud to be in this band and that those lyrics represent, you know, the music that I'm making at this point in my life, because I can put myself into those lyrics. So You'll always be your own worst critic, buddy. But uh, I, I feel like you've done a really wonderful job speaking for the band and kind of how we're all feeling emotionally right now. Well, and I hope well, other twenty-somethings can can feel that way too. I I mean, I tried to make it as non-specific as possible. I I don't like really specific lyrics. Um, why don't we start with Ernest Goes to Jail? Okay. And, yeah. and, and I love that you said that, Robert, because this is not just, even though James wrote the words, this is not just like now James is going to lecture mm-hmm. us on all the words that he wrote. We can all identify with feelings and thoughts that are in these songs. Oh, yeah. I've read through all of them. Tom's read through all of them. Yeah. You guys perform them. So it, this is not a one-way conversation. This is like, let's, let's kind of open the floor up and talk about what the songs mean to us. So Ernest Goes to Jail. Yeah. That, th- those are probably the most, obtuse lyrics i would say on on the record i um i was dealing a lot with uh i i I have like these sort of moments of self-loathing and self-hatred and just like sometimes it's a pity party sometimes it's just like beating myself up about stuff and it it honestly feels like there's just like a part of my psyche that's like imprisoning another part of it and 
And so that's that song to me is like, you know, the, the character is trapped in this prison. He has the key to get out. Um, but, you know, he's he's allowing himself to be trapped here for something that he didn't do. And um, eventually the, the, the character sort of breaks free from this prison in a fit of rage and violence and and, you know, basically tells the warden to go, you know. Fuck jump himself. off a bridge yeah and um but the sort of i guess i'm not sure if it's irony or not but uh but the warden is just another part of this person like there the the roles are just reversed in the end there there's not really an escape from the sort of prison but that i don't think i made that very clear <laughs> Uh, Tom, I know you spend a lot of time with the music. You have all sorts of notes here. I do. Do you have any thoughts on Ernest and uh, his his adventures in jail and the warden and uh, this, <laughs> no, uh, this I, prison? No, I you know what? great tune. Uh, I like it the way you describe it. Uh, it can be still a story of every man because every man's got those things inside them that they're always going to beat themselves up for. Uh, I think as you get older. It mellows out a little bit. I sure hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm listening to you guys. Same. You're in your twenties. I'm trying to think. Where was I? You said the mid-20 crisis, and I think, holy cow, did I have one? <laughs> no, I was too stupid in those days to be worried about it, I think. Holy cow, you guys are, are, are in a very deep space, and uh, I don't think I hit that space until I got a little bit older, so you're kind of ahead of the game. Speaking of um, people in a deep space and then maybe trying to do some things to maybe not think those thoughts... Let's go to White Mountain, Ooh. <laughs> um, nice which, segue, which is uh, perhaps perhaps uh, track number uh, two. I have a little bit of the inside track on this, and I know we can't speak specifically on some of it, but uh, whatever you want to share about it, I'd love to hear. Yeah, well, we were we were struggling to come up with uh, some subject matter for this song, and Rob actually brought up in a conversation something that had been bugging him about a person that we knew and and this person's behavior and sort of his his drug use and how it was affecting the people around him in a very negative way. And um, it just was sort of a way to like combat his own emotional problems and everything that was going on with him. And he had a sort of philosophy of, uh, you know, life sucks. So fuck it, let's party instead, you know, and not like deal with it. And, uh, and you know, if that's your philosophy, you're totally welcome to do that. But, uh, he had a tendency to sort of drag a lot of people with him and like surround himself with people and convince them to do the same thing. So he could feel like what he was doing was okay. And, you know, to sort of validate his own philosophy. And I think it, it really damaged and hurt uh, a lot of people. Um, and I'm not okay with that. We're not okay with that. That's not, that's not a philosophy we share, and we're very against that. Yeah, cocaine in particular is a pretty, yeah, is a pretty, I mean, ne- is a pretty nefarious that was drug. The, that was the main drug that was being used in this particular situation. Yeah, I just I just say as an aside, cocaine in particular is a pretty nefarious drug. Uh, you wrote a song, Tom, one called about a uh, dark dark room. Is what uh, don't love. Yeah, don't, don't love. love. Yeah, don't. But love. But it has the lyrics, dark room, doesn't oh, it? Oh yeah, in my uh, sitting in my dark room. God, are you kidding? It took me down for uh, ooh probably five or six years, and uh, I would I love it if you read some of those lyrics. Lost a house to it, lost a theater to it, and uh, uh, getting through these very last hours, it's like I burned up ten thousand lifetimes in one day. I'm a prisoner in a crystal white tower because uh, I love it, cocaine. And uh, it was just, and it, was, uh, it, it worked out so well. Uh, it took, uh, it, for me, it, it was an important tune. It took a lot of my friends uh, in the 80s and 90s. And we wasted so much time behind that. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, the process that, that I came to with that was almost the same process you guys did, except for I was writing it first person. There's a line in it that says, they admire your stoicism, but can't tell that you're faking. It's a smokescreen that's obscuring every doubt you carry inside. Um, What I thought when I read the lyric is like, couldn't we all be accused of that? And at what point does it become a problem, right? 
Because we all have to, like, put on our thick skin to go out in the world and try to, like, do stuff. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I'm curious if anybody has any commentary on, like, at what point do you go too far when you are too stoic? As a stoic person, uh, I ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> when it starts tearing you up, um, when, when that, that facade really, uh, I don't know, um, I, I sometimes feel like like I you have to put forth that like that image of 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 this, the big strong man the the masculine the 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 stoic keeps his feelings at bay and and doesn't and and doesn't show any weakness and there's that can that can be incredibly toxic and it can it can like eviscerate you from the inside out and and chew at you and. I'm running out of no. You're, that's that's yeah. great. I think that yeah. that's great. I mean, different but the same. Uh, my my process has always been less like I need to be so masculine, but but just like you know, sometimes you just kind of are doing your thing and you're mm. like keeping your walls up. Mine has been a very uh, a couple times while very convulsive. You know, it's like it catches up with you at like a particular weak point, and then it's just like you really for me you really like pay for all that like papering over that you did yeah. in the years past. It, it, it it's funny because it always does catch up with you. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So I don't know. It looks like you had something to say on that subject. I mean, well. I, I, I fully agree with that. I, I think when your stoicism comes to a point when you're starting to damage yourself emotionally or the sort of mask and persona that you're, you've put on like brings people into a lifestyle that is damaging them as well. I, you know, there, there's, I don't think there's an excuse for that. I don't think that's okay. So that's interesting. So with this song, then it's less about like person, you're doing this thing and you're damaging yourself. It's more like person. A lot of folks look up to you and they're, and and you're taking them down a path that perhaps you shouldn't be doing. It's manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's for their own personal gain. And I, uh, it's a really manipulative drug. Yeah. When you've got it, you've got a lot of friends. Yes. Romanticizing a very destructive, very destructive mindset. Do you think that uh, not, I mean, this individual, but also individuals like this individual, the, the last line of the song is you've come too far to quit and goddamn be the cost of your sin. Uh, do you, do you think that everybody faces a day of reckoning uh, when it comes to this sort of a path? Cause I believe that you do and not, not because there's this universal sense of justice in the world, but just because stuff just tends to catch up with you. The ride can't go on forever. I, I would say there you know, they face it constantly. I think there, there's just that there's that voice in the back of the head. They, you know, that keeps nagging at them about like all they're, they're using these drugs to, to mask their problems, to hide them, to like not think about them. But the, that thought is always there. It's just some days that little voice is louder and it's, you know, at some point it's, they're not going to be able to to drown it out anymore. I think it's important to mention that this song is not about addiction. Um, it's not about being addicted to a drug. It's about choosing to use a drug in a party sense and then influencing those around you to do the same, you know, which gives, gives you more of a, of a pass uh, in that regard, you know, like, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't want to be the only one doing this and I don't want to be doing it behind closed doors. So, Hey, let me, let me try to cheer you on into thinking that it's a good thing and that we're all better for it to get you on my side and then we'll all do it together for fun. And the first yeah. one's free. It'd be certainly disingenuous to like come across as like say we're like straight edge and like, you know, that we haven't partied or that we don't do drugs or haven't done drugs or won't do drugs in the future. Like that's, you know, like there's, there's a time and a place for just about everything. And you know, there's a way to do things responsibly and there's a way to do things irresponsibly and manipulatively. There's, and there's a lot of really great ways to party. <laughs> Maybe don't do it to squash the shit that you should probably actually be working through. Now, is there, a, is there a, a dealing element in the lyrics here? Not about this one individual, but just as I hear you describe that, it seems like it's not necessarily the, the person who's using. This is more the person who's like bringing others along with them yeah but it's not so much it's not so much a dealing aspect it's it's more it's more this person is using it to sort of 
squash their emotional problems and everything that they're dealing with. And then, you know, the insecurities are still sort of leaking through. So they drag people along for the party so that they can sort of validate their own experience. And like, it's easier to, to crush their own emotions. It's a very selfish journey to bring people into your, your self-abuse. Yeah. And important to add that perhaps maybe this was inspired by someone, maybe not, but this is a universal thing. Oh, absolutely. There's a a lot of Mm. folks who have had this experience and we all know a version of this person. Mm. Yes. And I want to say that just in case we leave here and you think, please edit that out, Jim, because it was too obvious. We were talking about person (laughs) X. Anyway, (laughs) moving on to song number three, (laughs) the well, um, tell us about the well, Mr. Ryle. Who, um, that's well, a long, tough ride, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, well my first question is, is James the main character of this song? <laughs> I would ahead. say, I mean, y- yes. It's definitely it's definitely very personal. I think that any one of us in this band could apply it to ourselves. I, th- uh, I tried to make it so that anybody could apply it to themselves. But it's definitely about um, the quest for inspiration. And... Uh, there's been so many bands that we've all respected and loved and admired and they've put out, you know, they put out one great record or two great records or three great records and then they get old and they start putting out garbage and then you just hate them and like, why didn't you just call it quits? Why did, why did you have to keep going until you like produced a bunch of crap? And uh, at the point where we were write, writing this song, we had been writing this album for like already an ungodly amount of time and it was it was starting to feel like maybe we only had like a few good songs in us like maybe maybe we're not you know songwriters maybe this isn't going to happen and having this sort of doubt of like what happens when you can't write music anymore do you just keep doing it anyway because it's the one thing that makes you happy i don't know that's that's what the sort of I guess the allegory of this, this old man like trekking across a desert to find a well that has just like the tiniest amount of water in it and saying, well, that'll just have to do. Um, I'll have to make do with this and get whatever I can out of it. A drop will have to do. Yeah. Um, you really torture yourself, don't you? Oh yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. daily basis. No idea. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> Pretty constantly. Yeah. I live across the hall and have for the past six years, and uh, we chat. Yeah. <laughs> are, there, are there late night chats sometimes? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Turn into do, early do, morning chats do you, very do you, frequently. Do you, uh, are you able to get him off the ledge usually? Well, sometimes it's him pulling me down from the ledge. Cool. Oh, okay. He's we'll just like... a better lyricist than I am. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the well, Tom? Uh, wow. Uh Got a totally different take. What was your take? Well, you know, here's a guy. Here's a guy that that, uh, that as and I, I hadn't heard the, the tune. I'd seen the tune, so I was I was uh, reading the lyrics, and it felt like this was a guy that was actually. I was wondering, was this about alcohol addiction? One last drop. What this guy would go through. This guy would walk through the desert. This guy would go through hell. He'd go through the searing suns. He would crawl through the sand for one drop. And this drop is all I've got, and it's going to have to be enough. And, and I, I know some alcoholics that go through that very same uh, thing every day. Every day. So that was my first take on it until this. Well, that's and, a uh, very interesting interpretation. I, yeah. that's, I think that could apply. That's that, really interesting. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a journey. Uh, if, if you're looking at the lyrics uh, with a lot of songs, this was a journey. This this was a tough tune to get through. Yeah, it was hot and and ugly and hard and the old man was, wakes up in hell and contemplates his condition. Yeah, and there was no no reward. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> what I'll say about this song is, um, I think it's really great because just anybody, even if you don't play music, just think of like the one thing that brings you joy, and think about like you don't get that anymore potentially by at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. So that's I mean. What brings you joy is creating. Yeah. And this song uh, puts yeah. forth the scenario, what if you don't get to create anymore? Exactly. Yeah. You're in hell. That's what happens. Oh, yeah. Next song. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> uh, and there's so much more to it, apparently. <laughs> Stone Flesh is fun. I have a feeling that there's a lot to be said about this song. A deep inhale. <laughs> yeah. So it was while we were writing this song that it first occurred to me that I might want to quit the band and 
just say fuck it. Um, I should add also that the three other band members are all looking at the ground as you say this. I've heard this story before. To the the audio listener. There would be be more occasions past this where I would feel like quitting the band, but this was the... This was like the first and most prevalent feeling. Um, this is a song that we really struggled to write and um, it wasn't coming together very fast. And we were sort of writing uh, one other song at the time and trying to get like another third or fourth song. And there there were songs that I really wanted to write that nobody else did. And they, you know, they never, they never happened. And that was very frustrating. There was just a, a lot going on um that wasn't it was stressful it was just a lot of stress and there was a lot of arguments and it was coming to a point where like our writing process just wasn't working for us anymore and um we because we couldn't agree on what directions the songs should go and because we're all prima donnas yeah pretty much except skylar skylar is just like Whatever, man, ripping. So he says no, you're all prima donnas, but perhaps you three would say maybe just you three. Yeah, are I'd say we're the <laughs> yeah. we're the three most prima don prima donnest. But there is so. it's prima donian, prima donian. But it's Premies? it's out of a place of passion, obviously, and that's why it's like clear to me that this is. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's I wouldn't certainly say that's why we stuck it out. You yeah. know, there were the I mean, the lyrics talk about like going you know working in a quarry and you know trying to find something of meaning there and finding only rocks because it's a quarry and that's sort of how it felt um writing in this band for a while especially at that period of time um uh i mean the the i guess it's we don't really have courses for the most part but the repeated line like you know i'm trying trying to get blood from a stone and that's that was generally the feeling trying to write a song in this band at that time was just trying to find something good where there wasn't anything there. And, uh, how much of that do you think was like some of that stuff inside you, that negativity that like nothing's good enough that like, I'm not a good writer. Oh, that's certainly, that's certainly part of the problem in our process. Like we're like, we don't, we want everything to be 100% perfect and a lot of the times we want it to be a hundred percent perfect the first time but you came to a conclusion at the end of it yeah i mean ish i mean i have <laughs> i mean you, you stayed you stayed in the band i did yeah um and that's that's certainly true uh there was there was definitely a part when i was writing that song where i was like the if i stay in this band this could seriously damage the personal relationships I have with these people. And am I okay with doing that in order to finish the record? And I said, yes. And, uh, luckily that didn't happen (laughs) yet. (laughs) Yeah. Record's not out yet. Yeah. This is a song to me. That's kind of like man versus himself a little bit, you know? Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. I'll cut off my hands. I'll sell my soul. I'll do anything to get my blood from a stone. That's uh, those are some lyrics from this song. The next song is called Walnuts. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that strikes me as more of like a like a man versus man because Wal- Walnuts yeah. describes uh, another sort of template of a character that we all know. Yeah, that one, yeah, that one was pretty straightforward, and I certainly wanted that to be really clear what that was about. I didn't want to be very wishy washy about that. I mean, anything you want to share about uh, the man who has two shriveled walnuts that were his pride, both of them dangled between his thighs, but a third shriveled walnut, the runt of the litter, did reside within his thick skull where he knew it could hide. Um, <laughs> sounds like a Dr. Seuss. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Seuss. I love Dr. Seuss. Huge inspiration, Dr. Seuss. I've, ne- I've never actually like heard it read out uh, amelodically no, and goddamn Jim to read the whole record. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. That was amazing. Of course I'll do that. But anyway, go ahead. Andrew. Or whoever was Oh, talking. that's all. The, the very Seussian. Um, <laughs> in the, I suppose in the, in the past few years and it's it's been brought to my attention just how poorly um 
my gender treats people that don't match their sexuality or their own gender or how they perceive their own gender should act or behave. Um, like I definitely, you know, growing up dealt with a lot of people calling me faggot or pussy or whatever, like that sort of thing. But it's really minuscule compared to how, how women and homosexuals and transgendered people are treated. And I would be hanging out with my friends and they'd be casually talking about the latest incident and it would be the most horrific awful thing I had, I had heard up in that, up till that point. And they just would escalate over time. I just like, I, it was shocking how human beings could treat each other that way. And it made me really, really angry. And I just wanted to write a song that was a big middle finger to those people. And, um, you know, I've seen them, I I know those people and like they definitely they won't necessarily harass a female person if they're with another person that they perceive as being male um, because they perceive that male as having some sort of ownership over that female just merely by their presence. And so it's not something we generally witness um, as cisgendered men. Um, It's it's stories that we hear later when these people are by themselves, when they're at their most vulnerable. And, and I don't know. It's, it's awful. And I like, this is, this is how I, this is the thing I could do about it at, you know, like if you see it happen, definitely say something. But a lot of times you're not going to be present for it. So this is, this was my reaction. Yeah. And you know what? Also, it, it actually throws in just enough there to, to point out that usually those guys are mostly insecure. Yes. And, and, and that comes through well. I mean, yeah. his testicles are like half an inch and half an inch. So, I mean, we have a little more. Those are lyrics. Well, I'm just talking about shriveled sure, walnuts. I eat a lot of walnuts. So, you know, I know. Um, yeah, he was a man heading for a fall. I mean, that's the other thing is like, you know, it catches up with you. The yeah. behavior catches up with you. I think and, and, it, and it catches up with you because I, uh, society is catching up. I think so. I think their time is very limited. Next song is Splinter. Uh, what I like about Splinter is in a conversation I had with James, James said that Andrew very rightfully vetoed the first few sets of lyrics to this song. <laughs> yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> Just ended up keeping it sort of simple and playing along with the the same sort of themes that I'd been you know dealing with a lot of a lot of insecurity a lot of dealing with that insecurity in unhealthy ways you know you you synthesized your despair uh, rather delightfully I would say you just really distilled it down to you know the brass tacks of yes. uh, you know <laughs> getting out of bed drinking too much am I already yeah. dead you know has it always been this way for people? Like talking about your folks having to deal with the shit. Yeah. 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 It was, I think you very uh, dutifully and uh, properly synthesized the existential dread that you feel on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. I think, I think aside from, from Walnuts, these were the bluntest lyrics on the, on the record. They were very, very to the point. Uh, do you have a good relationship with your parents? I do. I have a really good relationship with my parents. Do you, do you think that, do do you think they know the amount of like existential dread you have? And if they listen to it, do you think this episode, do you think that they will be like very, very confused as to like, why is our little boy so unhappy? I, I, I worry that they will. Um, I'm an only child and I'm, I was definitely, you know, my mother was a stay at home mom and I was kind of a mama's boy and you know, we went to the movies together, hung out a lot. Like it was really nice. So she, she worries about me quite a bit. So yeah, I was going to say she knows. Yeah. I, I tend not to tell her certain things cause I don't want her to worry. You know, I, I love her to death. I, I wish she didn't worry so much, but, but you know, that's her job. So I, I totally relate to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, 
I can't say that I've really talked to them a whole lot about the the emotional stuff that that I've gone through because I just don't I just don't want them to worry and I'm I'm not I'm I'm very unsure if they they would understand because they have a very in to my to my eyes a very idyllic life and very you know like like borderline perfect um i got the impression i was reading the words of a person dealing with depression i definitely deal with depression okay i and i and you know i don't i don't know if there's like a particular situation in my life where that sort of started or like it's been oh. definitely something i've wrestled with ever since puberty ever you know like even even in milder forms in like junior high and it's just a it's just something that comes and goes and when it comes i just have to deal with it yeah and and i apologize that it went there i don't mean to make oh, you uncomfortable no, it's okay. about it the next song is entirely about crippling depression and its oh, cyclical no, nature and how it never ever ends song is called uh not in parentheses again yes Tom, do you want to go first? Seems like you got a lot to say. We're back on the theme. Uh, yeah. We're back to depression. Yes. And uh, what have I got? I got uh, uh, trying but getting uh, beat back down again, uh, ending up in the same place. Uh, there's an energy there that is mostly the voice of the consciousness. Um, yeah, this is, yeah, this is where I re- really started to realize, oh, yeah, we are dealing with, again, this is about where I realized this is, these songs seem to be coming mostly from one voice. And uh, the theme of your album is going to be, um, yeah, kind of a depression. And uh, where that really comes through. Tom's grabbing another note. I got my notes. To the audio listener. Uh, the notes. Stone flesh. Because uh, I, as I was reading the lyrics, uh, it brought me right to the depression. <laughs> the depression. Also the Dust Bowl. Uh, all of these per- people working so hard to get somewhere, and they're going to go through it. They're going to go through the motions. They're going to go through the steps. But th- history was proving to them that it was going to be for naught. Uh, and uh, that's what I got out of Stoneflesh. And you kind of get the same thing with uh, not again, especially with not in parentheses. Not again, but again. It's going to happen again. You know, and again and again and, and again. And again and again and again. The thing about it is that, you know, I sometimes it's a very physical feeling where I will be having a great day and nothing, there's like nothing bad happening in my life. And then there's a very physical feeling where I'm, I'm about to have a huge bout with depression and it's definitely a battle. It's always, it's always a fight. And you know, there's just there, sometimes it's, you know, a few hours, sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a month and, you know, or longer. And uh, there's just not, I don't have generally the tools to just fight it off. I just have to endure it. I think if we could trade all these feelings in for just being a party band, we'd all take it in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go on to track number eight, No Matter. Um, this is a song that has the big gang vocals in the, uh, in the end. It's, it's, uh, it's a very long song compared to the other songs. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. and nine and a half. It's a rock ballad. It's almost, almost 10 minutes. I think I read the stranger by Albert Camus, um, at a time when I was starting to really consider nihilism and what that meant. And that book really fucked me up up for a while um it like it just happened to fall into my life right when i was like going through all this weird stuff it's weird how books can do that and uh and it really messed me up for a while about you know especially somebody who's wrestling with depression and looking for for meaning in their own life and not finding any and that that generally is the theme of that final song um about you know watching people move away, friendships fade, you know, time passes and, you know, you, you're getting older and maybe you want to try something different because what you're doing isn't working, but you're kind of stuck where, where you are. Cause you've, uh, you've allowed yourself to sit in this place for too long. And, uh, 
and slowly coming to the realization that this is probably the person you're going to be for the rest of your life. And are you okay with that? Um, and does it matter if you are or not? Um, doesn't matter who you are as a person. And that, that's, that's generally the long and short of the, of that song. Just having, getting older, being unsure if you're okay with it, being unsure if it matters. Does anything matter? Yeah. And, you know, whatever, we're all going to die. And then, (laughs) and then it's over. Sorry to break it to you, bud. (laughs) Spoiler alert. We all die. Uh, last line as long as my work here is done. Is that like a, a thing that someone says at the end of their life? I mean, the, that. That's what Jesus said. The last, uh, the last few lines on, the, on that song, and I guess on the album, um, are generally, I, I would say, the conclusion that has been reached is that maybe it matters maybe it doesn't but you know there's gonna be a time when it's your time to go and just gonna have to let it happen and be okay with it this one uh, the, for the last one as soon as you said so you got stranger, a lot of uplifting, a lot of <laughs> yeah. uplifting stuff the stranger yeah. beat, was, beat me up when i yeah, was, I was in, in the middle college. i was in the middle of writing those lyrics when i read that book yeah I, I got that might have been a mistake <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no actually everybody should read Camus at least once in their life and and uh if you're depressed, it'll only add to it. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, just really quickly, because it seems like that was an uh, instrumental thing for you reading that book during the writing of these lyrics, and it messed you up when you were in junior high, I guess. Uh, no, it was it was a little bit later. But, okay, so w- w- briefly, w- why did it mess you guys up? I mean, why? Because I haven't read the book. I was um, supposed to. I didn't read it. I mean, it's... Okay, there it is. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a great, it's a great novel, yeah. and it's... Uh, it's about this character who's sort of like emotionally indifferent to everything around him that society says he should be emotionally invested in, in one way, negative or positively doesn't, you know, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but he's just has like no emotional connection to anything cause he doesn't see the point in any of it. And, um, uh, at some point he's put on trial for murder and the trial becomes, not about the facts of the death that occurred. It, it doesn't become about the facts. It becomes a a trial on his character yeah. and about his behavior and his how, attitude. Yeah, absolutely. And he's com- he ends up being sentenced to death because he's completely rejected uh, by society because that you know he doesn't share the same sort of emotional connection to things that they do, and uh, and he on death row and like a, a a priest comes to him and reads to him out uh of the bible and he it's the only time in the novel where he actually has any kind of emotion he has an emotional outburst of anger and like kicks the priest out and he's like really mad about things and then uh and then he calms down and you know it's like oh i don't even know i got mad about that like none of it matters i'm gonna die and it's gonna be over it could have been could have been it'll be tomorrow but it could have been 50 years from now could have been yesterday and it really doesn't matter and then you die yeah (laughs) that is yeah you know it's for me it was such a different take on on death for for me uh on on uh, a waste of a life kind of but as a matter of fact everybody has in them the feeling that society doesn't understand that me you uh, you, you're going through seeing the world in the way you see the world and nobody will ever see it the way you do. And in this case, this guy was absolutely beat up for it. Rightfully so. <laughs> but oh, I, no, see, in, in my opinion, I felt bad I was, for him. Uh, yeah, I did too. I but I got was, a bad rap. Well, the bullshit trick that depression plays on you sometimes is that you're the only one experiencing it and that everyone else has got it figured out and you're the fucked up one and why are you so fucked up? And then you just think about that over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a broad oversimplification. but I That's mean that, pretty much it, though. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> so, and you, you're consciously aware of it most of the time that you know, you're not the only person going through it, but it doesn't stop the feeling from, from persisting. It's, it's a really bizarre experience. 
to yeah. have like this sort of cognitive dissonance between your 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 emotions and you know your thoughts. So I, I think to anyone who uh, is listening to this who has struggled with that, um, hey, there's a few more people that you may know in real yeah. life that are struggling with perhaps the same thing that you're struggling with <laughs> and have, I think, rather eloquently described those struggles. And I think that there is something to be said for that. Yeah. Also, it's a companion piece for the album, which comes out sometime in the next year. Do we have an estimate on when that album comes out? I hesitate with this band to put anything oh down on paper. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a smart that, uh, move. This year. This year, this please, year, fucking please. Hate. It is June 2017. Um, is there anything on your guys' end that you want to say, as long as we have the mics rolling, about brown bags, about this experience, about your lives? We'll probably do a third one someday, but it is we June should. 2017 so. right now. Is there anything we left out that can provide greater context for the historians when they look at this and they say, who were brown bags in June 2017? Well, not the person I was when we did this the first time. So, <laughs> wow. I love you, Mom and Dad. It's not your fault. <laughs> that is good context. Thank you. Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa Por Vida. Like, straight up. We are, this, this band would not be doing it at all if we didn't have the most amazing community of people friends. surrounding us, the most supportive friends. friends. Like, we've got it so great. And, and this, this band would not be anywhere near um, where it's at right now if we didn't have all of the friends and, and all of the amazing people you know, cheering us on. We, we are truly blessed in Sonoma County. We have one of the greatest uh, families of musicians that we all get to uh, swirl around. Supportive, cooperative. Yeah. Absolutely. Genius. Multi-generational. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, brown bags. Uh, I will just say that I don't think that people are necessarily wrong when they say you're the best man in Santa Rosa. So I know that makes you very uncomfortable, but I'm a big <laughs> fan of you guys as well. So thank yeah. you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for your friendship. Thanks for yeah. being so open. And thank you for your music. Thank you. Thank you, so Jim. Much. Thank, you. thank you so much, Jim. We get three cuts out of these guys tonight. So definitely check out uh, the three cuts. And well, you'll understand what people are talking it's about. It's funny you should mention that because my script says, and hey, guess what? This is just part one of two. Stick around because a performance from Brown Bags is happening right now. Lil Bucks. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thanks. He never put up a fight. Now he's gotta pay the price, he's in the state penitentiary Doing 20 to life He knows he drug himself to this world But everything will be alright if he just wake up the road The nights are as empty as the days are long But he'd be better if he knew what it was he did wrong I'm sure he's guilty, but he can't be held Whatever the reason he knows, he got it all himself. He finds familiar comfort, living in between. Oh, but a tiny voice keeps on whispering. This isn't living in.
to a montage of my greatest mistakes A detailed drug count of all my small mistakes Whoa, once again more pleasing and I'm afraid I'll forget the feeling I take with advice if only you knew when When this will end, where do I turn? When every way is wrong, there's nothing I can learn No words will make me strong enough to fight my way out of this I'll lay myself down and wait it out again Do I do? When no justice in my hands know where I can go When every resurrection stands beyond Rocker that winds up barreling back here to this goddamn place again Fantasia, my greatest is 